0: And this is another episode
1: of SEO is Dead and Other Lies. Ryan, how are you doing today on this beautiful morning? Is it a beautiful one? I heard thunder in the background, so I don't know if things are going too well on your end. Yeah, you know, I was just trying to be pleasant. Uh, it's a real crappy day out here, but <laughs> it's, it's overcast. a good day because we talk SEO during the work week. So uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's an early one. This is the earliest one I believe that we've ever done. 10.30 for you, 7.30 for me. So up and at them. let's do it. Well, we have a really interesting
0: episode today. Um, We're going to not necessarily talk a whole lot about SEO tactics, uh, but something just that I think is equally as important and it's sort of managing things remotely. Uh, It's it's really an important topic for everyone right now. Uh, Most people have gone to some sort of remote work. Uh, I know I have. I'm going a little stir crazy from it. Uh, But we're going to talk about how to manage some of those things. And we have a really special guest that we uh, want to introduce.
1: Ryan, why don't you go ahead and introduce Dave for us? Yeah, we're really excited today to have Mr. Dave Schneider with us. Hey, Dave. Hey, guys. Yeah, Um, Dave is the owner of the agency shortlist.io and shortlist has an emphasis on SEO and backlinks. And uh, Dave is also a world traveler, not doing as much traveling nowadays, but certainly has done quite a bit in the past. So welcome, Dave. Hey, Mike, I always hear when people make it
0: big in the SEO industry that they you know, move to Thailand and just do a bunch of link building and they live like kings over there. Is that what you've been up to? <laughs> uh, well, I, I would say it's, it's the
2: opposite if, 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 if without being disrespectful to anybody who's chosen that path. I, w- I would say in, in more cases, people move to Thailand uh, when they haven't made it big and they're looking to keep their costs low uh, and they want to kind of do the whole digital <laughs> thing. And then when they kind of make it a little bigger, they often
0: move back to something like Europe or America. But hey, I mean, to each their own. That's a really good point now that I think about it, um, you know, because any links that I bought from anyone that said they did that, they weren't very good links.
1: So <laughs> that's the point. Like, so you're me all those pictures of those guys that they're like, their arms sprawled out at the beach, soaking it all in. They're actually the least successful people in the SEO community. I mean, you know, to, to, uh, per, perhaps some of them really have just kind of chosen, you know, they
2: just prefer that that path and uh, and like I said, teach to, to their own. But I, I, you know, I do know from firsthand experience doing a lot of traveling that a lot of the people that I met, um, out there. We're very early on in their career and, and sort of just kind of uh, getting started and looking to expand their runway.
1: So why don't you give us like a little bit more of your background briefly. I know that in addition to this agency in the past, you've, you've also um, looks like you've sold a couple companies, you've advised companies, you've grown teams both, um, well actually maybe entirely remotely, that's where we are bringing on your expertise. So yeah, give us a little bit of, of a background.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think it was in 2012, uh, when my wife and I quit our jobs in DC, I was working like in a corporate environment, not doing anything digital marketing related at the time. Uh, But we decided to go backpacking. That was the main plan. Um, So we had a a one-year plan to kind of backpack around the world. And and that turned into a two-year plan and then actually turned into a five-year plan. And during that time is when I started doing digital marketing, started doing SEO, Um, originally just blogging. uh, But then I transitioned to software, Uh, started a business called Ninja Outreach, which is an influencer marketing software. A lot of people use it for link building, though, as well in that for four years, um, grew a remote team there, uh, and eventually decided to sell it uh, for personal reasons um, and started an SEO agency uh, two or so years ago uh, called Shortlist, uh, which I now run no longer traveling, but I've still continued with the remote model because I really love that, that approach to, to business. So that's also about a team of 20 or so, primarily in Eastern Europe, and we do you know, website design, dev, and SEO, link building, and, and growth
0: marketing. Wow, so your team is pretty much a hundred percent remote, and it's been that way almost from the beginning, correct?
2: Yeah, not pretty much one hundred percent.
0: Wow, man. So, when you when you start out doing something like that, how do you how do you find those people um, to begin with?
2: Yeah, I think this is one of the major hurdles. The first hurdle that people kind of run into when you know when they kind of buy into the idea that oh yeah you know I'm gonna build a remote team that'd be great, but wait, where do I actually find people? Um, because they're not, uh, you know, they're not near you. They're not like local, right? That's the whole whole concept. Um, I think a really, you know, easy place to go is somewhere like Upwork. Uh, it's a freelancer marketplace. Um, and there are many, many thousands of, of people that you can find um, and, and hire for all sorts of job roles. Um, now, I think anyone that's used Upwork uh, can attest to the fact that it's not a perfect solution. Um, it's not one of those marketplaces where everybody's like pre-vetted. Um, kind of any Jack or Jill can kind of sign up and, and put something together and pitch you. Um, and so you don't always kind of hit out of the park uh, with the candidates that kind of apply to your job post. Um, but still, I find like a lot of really quality candidates that way. Um, I still find it as one of my preferred methods to go because um, there's no middleman, so to speak. Um, There's no kind of uh, somebody who's kind of brokering, you know, between you and somebody on the platform. Um, is very organic. There's a ton of traffic and a ton of people on the site. So whenever I put out a job post, I usually get dozens of people responding, which kind of gives me ample opportunity to, to interview and, and kind of decide uh, who I'd like to kind of bring on. That's you, so that, that's usually my go-to approach. Um, as, as you kind of grow the team, um, my next favorite method is always to ask people who they know. Um, So this doesn't help you with hiring number one, but it might help you with hiring number five. A lot of freelancers have worked um, in other companies or they know the other freelancers uh, in their community because often uh, if they're from a place like Eastern Europe or something like that, the community can be kind of small and tight and everybody knows everybody. Um, So I like to ask them who they know and, and who they might think would be a good person to bring on. And that's also a great way to expand the team. Yeah,
0: I'm a big proponent of a, of Upwork. I've been using it. Oh man, since it was like ODesk, which was like <laughs> seven yeah. years ago. Uh, but it's great, right? Especially for for writers. I've found is it's almost the best source for finding quality writers outside of, of you know and not having in-house uh, resources for it like that I've ever seen. But yeah, like totally huge fan of it. One thing I, w- I was wondering though, so once you have all this stuff set up. You have found some good people that you vetted through through Upwork or, or whatever. Um, are you using like a project management platform at all?
2: Yeah, I think that you know if you're going to go the remote business model, you really have to invest in kind of the the remote infrastructure, the tools. Uh, you have to kind of create that environment where somebody's going to thrive uh, because it is difficult. There are challenges to everybody working remotely. Um, to kind of managing people and projects and understanding that uh, individuals are doing work. Um, and so, you know, I've never run uh, a company that was kind of like a hybrid of, of remote or, and not. Um, I have been a part of those companies, though, and I feel that it, it is kind of challenging if you're not all in on it. Um, so for us, yeah. um, you know, when it comes to kind of project management, um, I, I like Trello, to be honest. I know that's kind of uh, uh, it's maybe like a somewhat of a basic tool. Uh, other people maybe prefer something like Asana yeah. or Basecamp or something like that. Um, I've just always found those to be like somewhat overkill in terms of my needs. Um, and, you know, a lot of the the work that I feel needs to be done it is very, um, process oriented. There's kind of stages in the bucketing, uh, aspects of Trello are perfect for that. Now Trello in and of itself, um, does not really, uh, solve, uh, communication. It does not solve time tracking. Um, so I think maybe because we use Trello, we also use a lot of other tools like Slack, uh, like Hubstaff mm-hmm. for time tracking, um, like Zoom for video conferencing. There's no all in one platform that we're kind of comfortable with. is usually piecing together different tools, uh, doing what they do best to kind of replicate what it would be like to have a real office.
1: Kind of going back to managing the team and, and kind of using that project management and then kind of you're talking about time management too. Uh, I think one of my biggest, I guess, issues that I've, I've come up with like personally, as far as remote workers is kind of like being on the same page about like benchmarks for how long it takes to do work. So when you're kind of working with a remote team and you kind of have your, 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 typical tasks, like you have your link building, if you're doing SEO, you're going to have your on page, you're going to have, you know, various things where you know more or less how much time it's going to take. So when you're working with remote workers, do you kind of lay out the benchmarks? Like, Hey, listen, this should typically take you 30 minutes and this task should take you maybe an hour or two hours. Do you kind of like set up some sort of like protocol as far as like what, what time allotment you're expecting for a lot of tasks to get done?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really a huge part of working with a remote team. Honestly, working with anybody, uh, if you you know have anybody that you're sort of working with and you're not defining some sort of deadlines, um, then you're likely allowing them to kind of just sit around and, and do nothing. Um, but, that, but that's why I really like the the remote model uh, because um, it's often coincides with hourly uh, tracking and, and charging, and so it's geared very much towards kind of like how long does each task um, take. I think that a very common pitfall that people uh, you know fall into is they don't define how long something should take or they're not really sure how long it should take and they run into a situation where it seems like the remote worker maybe has like spent a lot of time on something and you know upwork has time tracking built in for example if you hire someone through the platform And before you know it, they've spent like 10 or 20 hours on something that you thought was only going to be two or three. And there's all this miscommunication around uh, why did they spend so long and and what you were expecting. And I think that's just kind of like a hard lesson that a lot of us learn early on uh, when we've kind of like, you know, kind of wasted money, basically. So with each uh, employee in the early days, uh, when you are still getting a feel for each other and their ability and things like that, that's why I think it's super important to Uh, kind of define, you know, how long we think tasks should take. Um, And it also kind of makes sure that we're working with the right person, that they are working as fast or as efficiently as we kind of expect or know the job should be done. Um, I do think that in certain cases, um, expectations should be a, a little more flexible. Um, especially if you're working with someone from a country where um, high-speed internet is not you know, super available. It might, it might take them a little mm-hmm. longer to, to get work done, um, but there's still a, a limit or a range to what's reasonable. Um, once I've worked with someone a bit and they've kind of hit those deadlines um, you know, consistently, uh, I start to loosen the reins and I don't like to kind of uh, every single project that we work on discuss how long I think it will take. I give them a little bit the benefit of the doubt because uh, they've earned it. Uh, but in the beginning, definitely.
0: Ryan, you I mean, you're pretty big in the world of remote work. Um, you know, you have an agency and stuff. What do you use for like your project
1: management um, with your team? So yeah, we are using Asana for pretty much all clients. So we pretty much break down each project by a client. There's some instances we definitely do use Trello as far as maybe like partially as a CRM or certain tasks. I think for web dev, it's pretty nice. Actually, Asana does have templates that are kind of like Trello built into it nowadays. So it's actually interesting. They took the whole like uh, list and card approach and they actually let you build that out right there in Asana nowadays. But for us, it's like a lot about integrations too, because we were talking about time tracking. Um, We do use Harvest uh, for time tracking that does integrate um, pretty seamlessly with Asana where you like kind of start working on a task, you click on a button It starts timing it. So um, I think that for some people also, you're looking at the integrations uh, with uh, other tools when you're working with like project management software.
0: So this is really a question for both of you guys, since I never really have to deal with this. Um, do you guys ever have to like fire people for like not getting shit done? <laughs> uh, yeah. That's like the main reason they get fired. <laughs> yeah. So, like, how often does it happen though?
2: I would say it's, it's pretty rare. uh, In my case, Uh, I've had to do it a a couple times in the past. Um, It's usually um, the result of honestly a hiring mistake uh, where maybe I didn't properly vet somebody or I felt that someone maybe wasn't going to be a good fit, but for one reason or another, I decided to give them a shot anyway, uh, maybe because I felt like kind of desperate and and needing somebody to kind of help out or they had a personal story that, I don't know, really resonated with me uh so you know in those and in those cases it usually turns out exactly how how you expected, and it just doesn't really go that well um but yeah. luckily yeah it has been um i haven't had to let anybody go in like i don't even know two years or something i haven't had to let anybody go at, at shortlist um just since since i started which is fantastic that's,
1: that's really good oh. to hear do you have, do you have people that um, how often are you having people? I, I don't know. I don't want to get into anything like too personal about your business, but do it. Is it more, is it more com- common for people to leave for other reasons than to to get fired? <laughs> it's it's kind
2: of funny that uh, sort of the 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 default assumption is is uh, well they 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 might not be getting fired, but they're all leaving because they hate it there. Yeah. <laughs> i'm just kidding though i'm not establishing
1: that not establishing that like you must, hate hate working for you, you, you must have <laughs> over, yeah, over, yeah. Over, yeah.
2: yeah. Why, why would you need to fire when everybody leaves um no no actually um i i haven't had anyone leave either um it's it's been a, been really uh, uh just a great experience um in in that regard i guess uh people people seem to like the environment that that we set up for them Um, honestly, we work off of like a tremendous amount of of trust, not saying that, that you or other people don't. Um, but I do think that, that, I don't know, maybe maybe that, maybe I've got the wool over my eyes, but for example, we were talking about time tracking and things like that. I mean, I don't, you know, people basically just report their own hours to me. They, I even have people that basically pay their own invoices for them. Um, I try to be very hands-off, very, very not kind of a micromanager type of person, Um, So I think that, that, that kind of establishes just an environment people feel like incredibly comfortable, very trusted, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's why.
1: That's that's awesome. And then, and then also I I did want to mention as far as like time tracking for us and anyone listening that hasn't done time tracking or or is doing their time tracking, I don't do it whatsoever to micromanage. Like I'm not, I'm absolutely not interested in seeing how long it takes someone to write a blog or to optimize a page on the website. I think that time tracking is just absolutely essential for making like good business decisions. So especially working with clients. So when we do time tracking, it's like basically how many hours are we spending on this client? Is it worth it based off of how much they're paying monthly? It's like, why, is this person over here paying you know thousand dollars a month and get fifty hours? Where this other person over here is two thousand dollars a month and they're getting forty hours? And you know you have an issue and you have to adjust. So we use it to make business decisions, not to micromanage. And it's very, very, very three varies, very rare that we use it to assess, assess if an employee is just not being efficient with their time. That's not what we use it for, and I don't think that's what people should go into it. There's other other decisions you can make that are so much better than micromanaging.
0: Yeah, great point. So one thing I'm kind of wondering, um, this is kind of for both of you guys, has the pandemic made it harder for you to get new clients since everything has to essentially be like a digital, um, like interview, you know, like, like, how are you doing prospecting and stuff like that right now?
2: So, I would say to answer that question, um, you know, I've seen kind of ups and downs the last couple of months. Uh, you know, last month, to be honest, was our best month of business ever. Uh, but the previous two months prior to that were total junk. Um, and it's like really weird. Um, and I think that uh, m- the biggest factor is just everybody's kind of macro and economic opinion of what's going on and whether they feel comfortable spending money. And if you know, obviously, if you run an agency and you're doing marketing, people are kind of going in and out of growth mode where it's like, uh, hey, now's not the time for growth. And then like, you know, that was like April and May and then June, everyone was like, hey, you know, things are kinda of going better. But I guess we've and we've got this money that we haven't spent and, and let's kind of like ramp it up again. And now everyone's a little bit back to, whoa, actually wait a minute. Um, we don't really know where we're at and, and things are a mess again. So I, I think that kind of roller coaster ride has has affected um, you know, sales and things um uh, much more than uh, the fact that you know we work remotely and that we haven't been able to say network in person um, a lot of our client acquisition strategies were always um, online to begin with um, that could be email mm-hmm. outreach. Um, net- networking actually w- was uh, is um, you know wh- one of the big uh, one of the big refers for us uh, but I think that uh, there's still a lot of networking, that's done online, especially in the digital marketing space. It just kind of lends itself to being online as opposed to like, uh, if you're some sort of clinician or something, you're probably going to conferences in person. Those have all been canceled.
1: Yeah. Do you have like any specific industries or geographies? I I don't know. We didn't discuss that part of it.
2: Yeah. You know, I just recently was doing kind of a customer analysis to look at the people that had, you know, the clients who had paid us the most money, what was similar about them? What did they have in common? Um, industry wise, it really did run the gambit. I mean, we were seeing people in, in fashion and crypto and, and food and just kind of all different all CBD. is another kind of very big slash common one nowadays, um, In business model-wise, it was uh, kind of 50-50 on e-commerce businesses versus service businesses. Um, In geography, I think, you know, it lends itself to, to, you know, uh, the states, uh, but not exclusively. So, yeah, I mean, there was, uh, I guess we
0: cast a wide net. Well, I got you on here. Since you do a lot of link building as a service, right? Right now with Mm -hmm. your agency? Yeah. How do you feel about the direction Google's going with, like, link building? no following pretty much every link outside of your website (laughs) Um, (laughs) like pointing back to you like do you do you think it like makes like any sense the no follow do follow kind of system i think was
2: uh for some people it was maybe a little confusing i mean if you you really just kind of do nothing about seo it was maybe confusing but that that is actually the majority of people um but uh you know it, it also kind of had a an interesting, uh, element to link building and, and sort of made some links stand out and also made it very clear as a, someone who was, uh, providing links to, to clients, um, you know, why, what we were delivering was, uh, something different than maybe what you'd be getting elsewhere, like they would do follow and and people kind of understood that. So, you know, uh, what can I say? I, I'm, I always prefer things when they're status quo uh, because you kind of build a business around a particular approach, um, and then when things change, it kind of then changes just everything. Um, but I still, you know, generally feel that a lot of the fundamentals of of SEO and link building, um, while they have evolved, I mean, it still has always been primarily about getting good quality backlinks from good sites you know more or less that's kind of what it all comes down to even though there are hundreds of different factors that you know need to be considered if you're doing that you're generally kind of on the right trend and so i don't think i don't see that changing anytime soon but maybe you guys have a different opinion
0: well i mean i I thought the concept of like oh you should anything that was like a guest post or anything really it should be no followed i just think it's like kind of preposterous um like you know like, what does Google care if you want to follow a link that's on your own website that's going to someone else, you know? And so, like, I just, uh, you know, like, links have to exist. They're a key function of the algorithm. Like, for one, you're not going to be able to crawl, like, other websites and jump around without, like, links. And then it's still, like, the number one factor, like, ranking factor, like, out there. And I don't think there's any way to really change that. They'd have to admit, like, a completely new algorithm. So I, I just think it's, like... I don't really know what, what the purpose of it is. Maybe it's just to scare enough people into like doing it, but I haven't really seen anyone do it. Um, (laughs) even to this point, you know, like you can still outreach and and get a guest post. I've I've never seen anyone like go that extra step and like no follow something that's like in content, you know?
2: Yeah. I think that, um, you you know, I mean, I think in Google's mind, you know, not that, Speak on behalf of Google here, because who knows exactly what they 're thinking but they, they maybe there 's this idea that everything should just be like completely natural and organic in this ideal world that like everybody is going to find the best content and they 're going to kind of like link to it um, and they they really seem to be opposed to any proactive attempts to to kind of build links or promote yourself, uh, but I feel like that 's just not reality. Um, the reality is kind of you have to proactively kind of uh, build, you know, links to get your content ranking. It's just not really going to happen naturally for the majority of people, because how would anybody find you if you hadn't already, you know, if you weren't already out there. Um, So, you know, I feel that the current uh, approach to, you know, guest posting and outreach kind of warrants a do follow link because, uh, it's hard work. It's hard work to, yeah. to do that stuff. You know, you're putting in, you're you're putting in real work to kind of promote yourself. I don't I don't feel there's anything wrong with
0: that. You know, I think Ryan can totally agree with this because we both worked in the same industry of legal at some point. Where, you know, there's only there's only so many people who are really going to care to read the same legal blog article on a million websites. You oh. know, like yeah, like lawyers are only so interesting. Like the content they can possibly <laughs> produce. Right, so. <laughs> Um, You know, like pretty much like everything's like even with the exception of like links, right? So people go after those like really, really hard. So, you know, it's sort of like, how do you really determine what what's like good content when like, you have all these other like smaller websites producing the same thing over and over again, right? The great equalizer.
1: Well, it's like a lot of legal just is contingent on like if there's any changes to a lot of legislation, which is just happens when it happens. So it's like, what are you going to write about? Just the, the same things that are already existing, you know, that nothing's changed. Is it 's just like your own opinion on it, your own approach? So it doesn't change as much as like other other things like SEO, you know, changes every single week. There's something to talk about. So it's just one of those industries that has like a true correlation between the quality of link and like the difficulty of getting it and like who wants to link to a legal website anyway <laughs> it's like i don't want to link i don't want to link to like you know some random like law firm's website and then it's it's so competitive that uh, other competition might even like see their competitor write something amazing about a topic that they want to refer to and they'll be like hell no i'm not going to give them that link anyway so it's like definitely a catch 22 where it's like you can write great content all day but you can't it's not going to get visibility unless it has authority from links, and you can't get the the links to get the authority unless you do something else. So, it just puts you puts you in a tough situation where links kind of equal the money you're willing to spend. Where you know you start having to buy links, buy places on directories, buying link packages, guest blogging. It's just it's what people are forced to do to be competitive. Mm-hmm. It's just how it is. Yeah.
0: I don't really see how that's any different than paying for Yext, which is building you a bunch of links on a bunch of directory websites. Yeah.
1: What's the difference between, uh, you know, a fake position or a fake yeah. position on a directory? It's all like the same. It's like these little microcosms of, of bullshit, frankly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Man, sorry to digress into this, like, shitting on Google. <laughs> God, I hate them. They're the worst. Uh, um, <laughs> all right. So getting back to um, kind of managing things remotely, um, you know, a segue... <laughs> great segue um <laughs> if someone uh you know is, is starting out in this let's say you're you're starting a, a business what advice would you give someone um starting from scratch that wanted to do 100 percent remote work like that um what would be like the most important thing that, that you could tell them um to do or avoid
2: yeah so i think uh one of the most important things to kind of consider is uh like the direction that that making that decision puts you on, um, it's not necessarily about the the individual hire that that you bring on remotely per se, uh, but about like the company, and the culture that you'll inevitably have. Um, and if you go a path of remote, it's going to be fundamentally different than if you go in another approach. And I think, you know, as if you're a business owner, you're running a company, um, and maybe you're, you're at a, a point now where you haven't solidified that direction yet. So you're kind of at the crossroads. Uh, you have to think about, you know, what type of company do you want to be running? What type of company do you want to be working in? Uh, because if you go remote or if you don't, that's like a totally different experience. Um, and it may not be for everybody. I mean, I love, I love remote work. And I love, and it's like, I, I can't imagine going any other way, but I also recognize it's not for everybody. Um, so I think that that's kind of the the thing to consider because if you make one remote hire, you're probably going to make another one, and so on and so forth until your entire team is, is remote. So I, I, you know, think think bigger. Don't think about oh well whether or not this first guy is you know how am I going to whatever yeah, track his time or that type of stuff. Those are small decisions. What you need to be thinking about is the big picture of like
0: what company you're creating. So whatever it is you decide, just make sure it's you're hundred percent like going into that direction.
2: Yeah, you, you summed it up in like one sentence. I, I need to learn how to speak uh, with less <laughs> words.
1: <laughs> I mean, um, you're you're uh, articulating, it, that that's all. And I think that, uh, Paul, I actually do have a real segue <laughs> because you're talking about, you know, you're going to make... wrong with my over. segues. Ah, whatever. No, it's all good. We're, we uh, we preface that we might hop around a, l- a little bit. But for for me, you know, agency side, one thing that really has like stuck out with me, especially in the past couple of years is, and it's been one of my biggest reservations for remote, remote is really like building like an agency, like culture and building like a team and like camaraderie and having everyone kind of like on the same page and feeling committed to like a vision and values and, and a purpose. So is there anything like approach that you kind of proactively do when you have like all these people, you know, they may be overseas, you might not ever like meet them face to face, you know, for, for a while, do you kind of make any sort of effort to do something like recurring, whether it be like virtual, I don't know, I'm to say generic crap like virtual happy hours or like lunch and learns but how do you kind of like bring it together where people aren't just like feeling like they're kind of a cog or they're kind of just like freelancing randomly how do you make them kind of feel like they're a team and really um, be able to get like those additional you know tangible benefits from that kind of approach
2: well i guess i won't mention the weekly virtual
0: happy hour jesus
2: oh i'm, so- <laughs> I'm sorry to
1: i just, you just, I just I'm shot, sorry. shot I that in the
2: face
0: know. I shot okay, that in the that face stupid <laughs> God, you sound great <laughs> to work for, Ryan. Uh,
1: no, we <laughs> we do them. I'm joking. I was like, serious. <laughs>
2: um, okay, yeah, but honest. Uh, so honest. Then, so I think this is something that uh, I do. I do struggle with, or perhaps I, I don't. Know, I have a, I don't know if it's a jaded opinion of of, of kind of what it is. Um, so, I think to your point, uh, maybe with any company, but particularly with an agency, where sometimes people are like working for another client, it's sort of like particularly hard to create um, a culture. Like, for example, I have several marketers that are like full time on one client and in some ways it's almost like they're more a part of that culture than they would be mine. Um, And so I think that that is kind of difficult. And then you have obviously people doing design and dev and doing SEO and the two kind of mix and match to some degree, uh, but they're also fundamentally different kind of services Um, And so that also kind of creates some barriers. And then the fact that it's remote, the fact that people are not all in in the office together always, um, that they could be from other parts of the world, um, it just adds, multiple layers of complexity around kind of creating a culture. And, you know, and it was that a fourth thing, which is that it's an agency. And so having kind of like a mission and a vision is like a little bit difficult because it's an agency, right? And there's many of them. And you know, our job is just kind of like to to do a good work, good work for the clients, you know, but it's not like some some higher level noble uh vision. So I think all of that um, you know, is somewhat of a of a challenge in, in terms of Um, you know, creating that, 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 that culture, that, that feeling and stuff like that. Um, But, you know, at the same time as I mentioned on the call, I mean, we haven't had anyone leave in two years. Uh, People seem to kind of like working for us. We must be doing something kind of right. Um, So for me, I mean, it's very much just about um, the relationship with the employees, the way they relate with each other and just kind of, I guess, creating the environment where people are given a lot of autonomy, a lot of trust. Uh, They feel that their work is kind of valued. They're well-paid. I think that these are, you know, the major things like that that people think about when they think about kind of going to work, um, you know, I mean, hey, it's great to have like a noble vision and kind of, you know, that you're, uh, something very altruistic and, and things like that. But for many people, I mean, work is—it is like a means to an end. They're kind of looking to just show up. Um, they want to—they want to do some work that's interesting. They want to be appreciated for the work that they do. They want to have a nice paycheck that they can spend and—you in, 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 know—do things uh, in their country. Um, and so, I think if you're—if you're doing that, um, you're already kind of like solving 80% of of uh, of,
1: of the issue, and the other 20% is just—you
2: know—weekly virtual happy hours. That's it.
1: so you do i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't ninging them as long as you got like a fun game you do like you know jack in the box or you do a little bit of trivia truth or truth or dare with the team it's probably a good time
2: yeah um you know i mean so we like to uh i like to do monthly challenges um so for example like a fitness challenge um you know get everybody in and kind of split up into teams and kind of do some working out or something like that. Or we had like an art challenge or yeah, different things, uh, like to kind of, yeah, a little team building, I guess is, is the point. Um, we like to do a retreat every year. Uh, that's kind of a, I think a huge thing for remote teams to actually be able to meet each other in person. There really is no substitute for it as much as I love remote work and remote teams. I mean, there's just no substitute for people like connecting in person. Um, so we were able to do that last year in Turkey. This year seems like it's going to be a bust, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, definitely something to strive for if you if you do kind of run a remote business
0: that's awesome all right all right well thanks uh so much dave i d- I don't think i have any do you have any other questions Ryan? i mean probably like a
1: 100 but <laughs> but you got to wrap it up at some point
0: yeah i want to ask the horror story question i don't know if we're either just with like a client or just something like went really really wrong and it was like a nightmare um Ooh. have to tell us uh, if you don't want or if like you can tell us and you'd be like hey don't put that on there and like we'll it if you want (laughs) uh yeah
1: usually we ask
2: yeah sure I mean I, I think everybody kind of who runs an agency has probably had a client that was just like like batshit crazy. And you feel free to edit that out. I I don't know what the language policy is on the, on the podcast. Uh, I definitely, (laughs)
1: yeah.
2: So, uh, luckily I've been, yeah, I feel like client wise, uh, been really, really lucky with, with not having too many people like that. I can really only think of, of one, just an extremely demanding woman. Uh, I mean, she, you know, I, I, my partner uh, met her on a plane. Uh, and I, so he connected with her. She was actually like, like Turkish royalty or something. Um, and so uh, she needs some digital marketing help for a fitness studio for hers. Um, and uh, he kind of pitched our services and was really excited about it. Uh, and connected me with her. And, you know, if you can kind of, tell right away someone's going to be extremely high maintenance um, and you should you should know like that they should you should not take them on but this was sort of earlier days in the agency you know it's kind of like hey we'll take anything that people will throw at us um, so why not and my partner was like so excited because he met her on a plane and that's always a cool way to like get a client Um, so I decided to to agree uh, to do some digital marketing work for for her Um, and it was a really, uh, you know, she just from the get go, it was, uh, I live in Philadelphia, she was in New York and it was like, Hey, I I need you to be in New York. Like tomorrow, you know, I need you to see the studio. I need you to see where I work uh, to understand kind of our business. So just the mentality that, you know, as if they were the only client, uh, that we had Kind of in in the world, um, and that we were sort of going to drop everything to kind of do with them. So yeah, you know, I did. I, I honestly, I did go to New York. I was like, oh, whatever, I'll just go. It's not that far. Um, and I met with her, and, and things were more or less okay. And I set her up with a marketer on our team, um, and a really a really great marketer on our team, one of the best that we have. And she very quickly just wore this this girl down I mean absolutely it was it was like the one time uh, after a couple of weeks with this client she she was ready to just quit uh, everything um, and, you know to t- think about somebody who's like the most positive optimistic person you can think of and then to just kind of have them just sort of worn down to this the shell of a human being um, so it was really this kind of uh, you know choice between yeah okay I'm gonna have to take her off the client and uh, you know because she but I don't I don't know who else I can put on uh, because I don't want anyone else to just get totally beaten down as well and uh, eventually, I think after about two months or so, we you know we, we had the conversation. where I actually kind of fired the client, and so that's just one of the the rare uh, occurrences of having to to just deal with a, a really troublesome client and, and kind of have to get rid of them. You know, yeah, it was whew,
1: yeah. I was actually going to say real quick that reminded me of one uh, back in the days, pretty similar. I was uh, living in Orlando uh, at the time. I was in Orlando, and my business partner was in Orlando. And we got a, a client that was a fishing charter down in like Isle Mirada, down in the Keys. So like not very close. And we got the client said, hey, come down to Isle Mirada. Um, the only way you can work on our fishing charter is if you like come out and fish on the charter. And we're like, wow, that's awesome. Like we like <laughs> love fishing, deep sea fishing, all that. Got a hotel, drove all the way down, crash for the night, wake up at like six in the morning, you know, to uh, you know go out and go fishing with the new client. We got And I look at my phone and I got a text at 430 in the morning that said, uh, the waters are too choppy we already left we're already back uh, to south florida <laughs> and it's like wow like we were both here at the same time you could not even like wait until like an hour and a half just to at least at the very least meet us and say hey nice to meet you and all that and nice. i can guarantee well obviously it happened already but you can imagine it was a terrible client
0: cool all right cool. well yeah. you know thanks so much
1: dave thanks so much we- for your time
2: Thanks a lot for having me guys. I uh, really appreciate being on the show. If anyone wants to get in touch with me, uh, David is my email. Shortlist.io is my digital marketing agency. Uh, I've also recently started a podcast called how we solve that's at howwesolve.com, where we take people's business problems and we talk through how to solve them.
0: Thank you so much for listening guys. We really appreciate it. And be sure to like share and subscribe anywhere that you see our podcasts. Um, you know, we really appreciate that. Uh, if you're interested in being on the podcast or you have some questions that you'd like Ryan or I to answer, uh, feel free to hit us up at uh, seosedandotherlies at gmail.com. That's still our, our email for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Why would, <laughs> it, have have ch- would it have changed? <laughs> yeah, I'm not changing it. I don't care. It's free. You know, you can go on to YouTube and leave us a comment. or will respond to you there. Don't do anything on Twitter because I don't care about Twitter and I don't respond to any of that crap. But thank you so much for listening. And I'm Paul Warren.
1: And I'm Ryan Klein. And this has been another episode of SEO's Dead and Lies.